Hey now, we're doing it live. You're listening to the Julio from New York show 2.0, episode 122nd, Music to be Murdered by Reactions. Recorded live on Friday, January 24th, 2020. This here is my audio diaries where I rant, I rave, I reminisce, and I spew whatever is on my mind. If this is your cup of tea, by all means, sit back, relax, and unwind. Otherwise, there are plenty of podcasts out there for you to listen to. Today's episode, as the title suggests, we're going to be talking about YouTube video reactions on the new Eminem album, uh, the ones I've watched, the channels that I, the channels that I recommend, and uh, yeah, a little bit more of that, and of course, a movie chunk segment. And welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm your host, Julio from New York. This is episode 122nd, recorded live on Friday, January 24th. So, one quick bit of news to get out the way. I am no longer using the Blue Compass. I've traded it in for another Rode PSA1. It's just the better mic stand for me, for my purposes. I like it better. I like um, how you don't have to tweak it as much. Whereas the Blue Compass was a bit unwieldy, it kept moving because of the material of my table, which is plastic and not wood. It was it was heavier. It was too heavy for the clamp, and it was moving to the, it was tilting to the side like the Tower of Pisa, making it harder to maintain the stillness of my uh, of my boom stand with the Blue Compass. Whereas with the Rode PSA, I guess because the construction of it, it's a little lighter. It's still strong steel or whatever, and it has a better lower center of gravity. So it doesn't, it doesn't have that tower, leaning Tower of Pisa feel to it on my table. It, it clamps fine. It stays centered. And I can move around the boom stand all I want without any fear of my, uh, you know, of the, the microphone doing a pendulum swing right back um, into the place that I was moving it away from. So... It's definitely a much better, you know, microphone recording experience for me. So I, I traded it. I traded it in uh, at BNH Photo. Got another Rode PSA. I paid the difference. You know, I lost money on that deal, but whatever. I'm happier for it. So I'm using. I have now two Rode PSA boom uh, boom arms, and of course two microphones. So anyway, with that out the way, let's get into the meat of the show. Since the last recording, even when I was doing that recording, I've been watching a lot of YouTube video reactions to the new Eminem album. And I, of course, keep forgetting the fact that I have sound effects here. So let's uh, play a little something here. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Alfred Hitchcock. So yes. Uh, and this is music. Be and we're going to go ahead and lower that. <laughs> so yeah, man, the crowds are going crazy out there. Everyone is loving the new album, Music to be Murdered by, by Eminem. Obviously, 
based on that interlude. There was an album by Alfred Hitchcock called Music to be Murdered by, and uh, Eminem was inspired by Alfred Hitchcock. And so the whole tone, well, not the whole, I wouldn't say the tone of the album is like Alfred Hitchcock because Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock is the director. He's not a movie, he's not a musician, but he took themes of it, he took, like, like that sound bite. And he's going with the theme of murdering on music, meaning like just doing your best lyrical flow that just kills music, as well as killing, metaphorically speaking, of course, killing people on the mic, on the microphone uh, with words, just, just, just completely eradicating and destroying people's reputation with lyrical mastery that Eminem, of course, is known for. And of course, he has a lot of features on the album. He has his old Slaughterhouse crew in there, minus uh, Joe Budden, uh, the guy he, he has a rivalry with. Or he has a, he has a, a uh, there's a, a, really, a, a broken relationship there, I should say. And, and they, he does make a, a reference to it, calling him Trader Joe. As in, you know, uh, wordplay, of course, because, you know, there's a, there's a supermarket chain called Trader Joe's, but also calling him a traitor to him. He, he, he betrayed him. Uh, by making fun, uh, by uh, criticizing their record deal and and breaking off from the sol- slaughterhouse contract, saying uh, that they got the short end of the stick or whatever. Um, whereas the rest of the members, uh, Royce the Five Nine, Joel Ortiz, and uh, this other guy whose name um, I always mess up, uh, they they stuck by Eminem because they don't f- they did not feel the same way that Joe Budden did. And uh, well, they're on the album, so that goes to show that their loyalties are with him and they still feel that their relationship is beneficial and they continue to work with him. So yes, I've been watching a lot of, um, of these reaction videos from, uh, these YouTube channels. Uh, the ones that I have linked on my show notes, uh, is no life shack crypt, uh, script work is a, is a duo. Art of Kicks is another guy. He also does um, crossovers with the, the group at Scriptwork. And a new guy that I just recently found the last two days, uh, Screwface Jean. Now, a couple of them are A, either amateur rappers, or B, rappers that are coming up themselves, and C, of course, Stan fans. They're Stans, otherwise known as Eminem fans. They call themselves Stans which of course is a reference to a song from Eminem's second album, the Marshall Mathers LP called Stan about this fan of his that went on the deep end and ended up committing uh, a, a, um, a homicide slash suicide with his, um, with his own girlfriend because uh, he felt like he got this by Eminem and it put, put him over the edge when in fact Eminem just wasn't able to get to his uh emailed on uh, his mail on time because you know he was busy touring that's the story of the song so people have uh over the years i didn't even i did not know that until this past year 2019 that eminem fans call themselves stands so i guess i myself am a stan because i am a eminem fan and uh and this album is definitely i would put it up there as uh one of his best albums definitely uh one of my favorites right now it's up there with the slim shady lp uh, the Eminem show, the Marshall Mathers original LP, 
And uh, even Kamikaze, I mean, Kamikaze was good. The one that came out, I want to say it was last year or the year before. But that was a very, um, a niche album in that it only had one focus. And that was to go back, to go after all the people that dissed him for the album that came before that, which was, I think it was called uh, Relapse or something like that. Which was supposed to be his more conscious rap music and people didn't like it so then he went back to his dissing music which was what kamikaze was all about now this album the music to be murdered by album is more of a slim shady kind of album in that yeah he's gonna go after people he's also gonna be silly he's also gonna have some darker subject matter in the in the album uh, but but it's just a back to just loving the art of rap music. There's this one song that I love a lot called Ya Ya, uh, which of course is the sample from uh, from a, a Busta Rhymes song from his first solo album, The Coming, called uh, uh, Break Your Neck, I believe was the name of the song. Um, but yeah, let me play a little sample of that one. That's one of my favorites. So yeah, that's Busta Rhymes being sampled. And then of course they start with like a, a little Daz effects bump, stickity bump bump uh, flow. And uh, one of my favorite things about that song is that it's a callback. It's an homage to old school hip hop. They talk about BDP. They talk about NWA. They talk about... Uh, I think I said BDP, Rakim, Slick Rick, The Ruler, all the all the guys that I grew up on in the 80s and 90s. And of course, um, Eminem's actually around my age. So it totally makes sense that we have the same taste in old school hip hop music. Him, obviously, more passionate than I because he pursued that career. So he studies it with a lot more fervor than I ever did because I only listened to it for the fun of it. And I didn't really listen to everything of it because I, I listened to a lot of music. But anyway, let me go back to what I was saying. So you have a No Life Shack, you have Crypt, you have Script Work, you have Art of Kicks. Oh, I did say all their names, and Screwface Jean. Now, I'll tell you the, the differences I like about them. No Life Shack is a very reactionary reactor. He jumps off his uh, chair and like starts pacing around his room, depending on, on how ill he thinks the song is. Crypt, uh, he is a fan of speed rap, so he loved the Godzilla song, and then he'd try to uh, see if he could do it himself. Uh, he tried to karaoke it, if you will, or cover it. And then he actually, he actually did another video where he calls it the Godzilla remix, where he does his own version of Godzilla, but at the very end, he, I think he does most of the speedy part of the Godzilla um, song. But he does mix it up with his own, his own lyrical, his own lyrics. Script work is more of a, they call it, they, 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 they give No Life Shack his props as being the reaction guy. And they call themselves the breakdown guy because they like to break things down. Art of Kicks is a new guy that I've found out. Well, script work and, and Art of Kicks, I, I discovered them the same day. Screwface John, like I mentioned, I, I experienced him two days ago. Apparently he's a rapper. He's... He's in a song with this other known rapper called Tech Nine, and he's plugging that current song that's out available to listen. Um, but at the same time, he was also breaking it down. And uh, he definitely seems like a fan of, uh, of Eminem, but he's a lot more critical. Uh, I, I don't know why, but he missed a lot of uh, 
of the lyrics that he was they thought could have been more more sharp when in fact he actually missed the the creative flow of it so there was that and of course one other group that i almost forgot about the law twins which are it's another duo group there i think they're in college or something and they try to break it up break down the lyrics uh a la script work but i think script work does a much better job but they're good um and they uh now the one thing i'll say about them is that they don't look at the lyrics they are clearly uh just listening to the to the song and trying to break it down on the spot whereas script work i do believe they are looking at the lyrics when they're dissecting it so that's kind of that's a little bit of cheating because they're actually trying to listen to it live as a, you know, as a first time reaction. So that, that, that makes it more authentic. Whereas script work, they, some, at some points I see there are a couple of videos where they, they were just listening to it and they were trying to break it down, but then knowing that it's Eminem and they don't want to miss anything, the later, the other videos, they're actually reading the lyrics on the screen. So, so for me, that's kind of cheating. But at the same time, I mean, if they just want to break it down, they don't want to really react to it as much as break it down. That makes sense, too. Now, in terms of they do try to be reactionary like Shaq. They have their little uh, special video effects where they kick the screen and break it. And, and of course, they do like a little watermark image of a person kicking the screen or punching the screen whenever they have those those type of reactions, a la Shaq just getting up from his thing, his uh, chair and storming off. And um, so those are the guys I've watched the most. There's one other guy who's who I'm just remembering right now off the cuff that I also watched. I only watched two of his reactions and they were okay. They weren't as good as the ones that I'm mentioning. So I'm going to stick with these. These were definitely my favorites. No Life Shack I've been watching for a while. And uh, it's just it's just fun to see how everyone is loving the new Eminem album, Music to be Murdered By, as, as well as myself, of course. And I, I couldn't be happier for Eminem. I mean, not that he needs my uh, <laughs> my support. He has millions of fans. This album is sure to hit platinum like all his other albums have in the past. And um, it's just fun seeing how other people are reacting, especially to the lines that I love as, as well, and seeing their eyes just bug out or their mouth, their jaws drop when they hear a, a, a fun punchline or mix of wordplay. And especially the parts when in Godzilla, especially their first time listening to it, when they think, okay, this is, the, this is as fast as he's going to go. And then he, at the very end, he goes even faster. And then people are just looking like, what the hell is going on here? This is not possible. And then he'll go faster again. And then of course he laughs at the end. And a lot of people, just the reactions that and noticing that, that it, how it keeps going up an extra gear in speed is, is hilarious i find that very amusing and um yeah i think that's that's really all i want to say about that um for for eminem uh in regards to the reaction music it's it's been it's been a lot of uh it's been a lot of fun and so we're gonna this concludes our danse macabre we're gonna close it out with some hitchcock portions of the proceeding were recorded as for the rest of it, I'm very much afraid it was all in your mind. I don't intend to indulge in any post-mortem. If you haven't been murdered, 
I can only say, better luck next time. If you have been, good night, wherever you are. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Alfred Hitchcock for you. A uh, The master of suspense and terror, as uh, his movies can attest. So anyway, on to the movie chunk. Okay, so I've rewatched a couple of films. And I, well, no, I rewatched one film. And I saw two other ones. So I, I rewatched Crazy Rich Asians and I um, I still liked it. I still enjoyed it. A lot of people have been in the case okay, so there's a show, a, a podcast. I think I mentioned it already. I became a I mentioned it last episode. Actually, I became a premium member of this show called the Keith and the Girl podcast. It's a comedy podcast. And you have uh, Keith Malley and Chemda Khalili doing the show they used to date way back in the beginning of their show and then they broke up and they've had marriages and they've had divorces and now they're currently with other significant others and anyway Chemda is known for always being behind on movies and whatnot because that's not really her thing she doesn't really care as much but she tries to catch up but anyway she recently she she's gotten a little current she watched crazy rich asians and she hated it they both did apparently even though keith didn't watch it but I don't think he's a fan of rom-coms anyway. He always he generally hates movies in, in, in general. I mean, whenever he watches a movie, more often than not, he's going to say how much he hates it. And most of the movies that he watches are usually just action films or horror films. And he again, he hates them anyway. So whatever he um, he didn't he did not watch Crazy Rich Asians. She did. She eviscerated it. And uh, so I'm. I decided, well, let me rewatch it because I remember being fond of it. In fact, I liked it so much it made me read the books, which, of course, are always better, though the characters were less likable, but the writing obviously was much better than the movies. And I watched it, and I still enjoyed it. I, I found it pleasantly enjoyable. Uh, well, not pleasantly because I already saw it before, so it wasn't a pleasant surprise by any means, but it was a rom-com, and it followed the tropes. And knowing that the characters are not that much dissimilar from the, the the way they're portrayed in the book, I did not feel like they were badly portrayed. Unlike Hemda, who did not read the books, she's just going off of the movie and saying that they're too... She felt like it was too stereotypical, but, I mean, that's how they're portrayed in the book anyway. So I had no problems with the depictions of these uh, crazy rich Asians. Anyways, I also saw... The Perfect Date, I finally saw that one. That's a Netflix movie with Noah Centeno of um, a parent of recent teen uh, rom-com sensation To All the Boys I've Ever Loved with, um, I forget her name, the uh, the Asian girl in the, in the movie. Um, Laura Jean is the character's name. But the actress's name, I forget. She was in that other show that I like, Deadly Class. But anyways, I'm digressing. No, so Noah Centennial has been doing a lot of these teen rom-com films. He's portraying a lot of teens. And obviously, he's not in his teens. He's in his 20s at this point. But anyway, regardless, 
The Perfect Date is one of his most recent ones. He's going to do a sequel to All the Boys I've Ever Loved uh, because Netflix did pick up the rights to the other two books, I believe, because of the success of that one. And, of course, obviously, the success of that first book, of that first movie for him has given him this, uh, I would say, rather lucrative uh, movie career because he's doing a bunch of these teen movies and I'm sure he's getting paid good money, definitely more than base salary and so he he can live off of this and i'm sure he is but anyways he is um so the perfect date is about this kid he's trying to get into yale so it's it's set in connecticut he lives in bridgeport though the town does not look anything like bridgeport i lived in bridgeport i know but he um he he's uh overly ambitious and apparently his um you know mother left his her his father for who knows what he got she got married moved away got kids and whatnot she's living the life uh the father lost his job and is a uh a recluse and um a near the well and he's trying to avoid he's trying not to do that so he he works and goes to school he has all a's he's trying to get a yell so he's trying to portray a persona of himself to um to be accepted he cares about appearances and all that stuff. And he decides there's this other guy who has like this amazing BMW or whatever. And he looks at him as the the ideal of what he wants to be. He wants to have this prestigious life. And he overhears because he works in the sandwich shop and the guy is in there with his friend and they're complaining. And he has to take out his cousin to some dance, some some school dance at her school. And so Noah Satania's character overhears this and he offers uh, his services. And, you know, he meets this woman. The girl's like, oh, you're the perfect date or whatever and blah, blah, blah. That gives, that sparks a uh, an idea that he should create this uh, app on the phone to be a an escort, essentially, to uh, obviously platonic, not no sex involved because he's a teenager. You know, that's illegal. So he's not doing prostitution, but he's offering his services as an ideal date for people. And so he's constantly changing his persona. In one show, in one uh, of these assignments that he gets, that he accepts, he it plays a a jerk to this woman's uh, rich family, so that when she brings the actual guy that she's interested in, they will see him in a much better light because this other guy was was such a nightmare. To another um, person, she he plays a art connoisseur and like an expert on art and whatever. And another one, he is helping her break her shyness by just being able to talk to a boy in a normal way. And so things like that go on. And um, unbeknownst to him, this, this other girl, the, the girl that he, he took out to this uh, formal originally... Starts developing feelings for him, and he starts developing feelings for her, but he doesn't even realize that he is, because you know he's a dense guy, and he and he has his eyes focused ahead to getting to Yale. That's all he's ever thinking about. So anyway, they have this fake breakup, but at this point, she's already realized that she fell in love with him, and um, so the things that he says actually hurts him, hurts her, I should say, and she's dating the guy that he thought she was into, which is another reason why he didn't notice that she was falling for him, because initially. They were going to try to make the uh, the people the objects of their affection jealous of them and try to you know get them. So like by so for him it was this 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 rich uh, girl uh, would see her and what a great what a great boyfriend he is and would want him. Whereas with the girl there was this other guy that she had a crush on and whatever. But it turns out that 
when she actually dated that guy, she had nothing in common with him and she lost interest. But at this point, Noah Centennial's character did not know this. And so the breakup happens and it it all blows up in his face. Um, and then he, but the, he gets to deal with that other girl and then he realizes, yeah, she's not what he expected or really wants and she's too superficial. And once she realizes that he's not even rich, she uses his dishonesty as the reason to break up. But in reality, she's into that materialistic like persona because that's the life she lives. But anyway, in the end, of course, they get together or whatever and they're the perfect date. So it's a cute movie. It was much better than I thought. It, at first, I thought it was going to be completely dreadful, but I actually did enjoy it. It was fun. And of course, the last movie I watched um, last night actually was this one with uh, Taraji Henson and Tracy Morgan called What Men Want. And this is sort of a reboot, which, you know, I'm not a fan of reboots. And it's one of those reboots where they switch the role. So like Ghostbusters, they recently remade that with an all-woman cast. They recently did Ocean's 8 uh, or Ocean's 12, which is a remake of Ocean's 11 with an all-female cast. And this one is sort of the same vein because back in, I want to say 2000, there was a movie with uh, Mel Gibson uh, and um, Helen Hunt, I want to say, called What Do What What Women Want, and 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 the prim- the plot of that one was that Mel Gibson, the jerk, uh, gets uh, gets into an accident, and all of a sudden he can hear what uh, women's thoughts, and at first he uses it for his jerkish ways, but he eventually starts to empathize for to uh, empathizes with women, and in this one, it's so it's it's the reverse. Um, Taraji P Henson's character. Uh, she works, uh, she's a sports agent and she works in an all male work environment. And so she always gets, um, what's the word I'm looking for? She gets turned down for promotions, but because they always replace, they always promote someone else over her, uh, the, whatever that term, there's a phrase for that when someone, uh, always gets picked over you and it's always another guy and it's these guys, they have like this secret poker night game. And she's never aware of it, though she knows that there's a poker game going on, but she can never find out because they don't ever invite her. So anyway, she um, she's trying to make it in this man's world, so to speak. And she eventually has an accident and is able to hear men's thoughts. And so, you know, she uses it to her advantage, but, you know, things don't go as she thought they will. And whatever. It's a cute rom-com. Tracy Morgan is not his love. It's not her love interest. There's another guy, which makes totally it makes even more. It makes that realistic because I mean he's a goofy guy, and I can't see Taraji P Henson really being into Tracy Morgan romantically. It just it doesn't look right on on paper, let alone uh, in a fake movie. So um, I'm glad they were realistic with that, and they had her fall for another guy, which is definitely a much more um, realistic. Because you know, it was a handsome guy. She's a beautiful woman. He's in shape, she's in shape, and it just makes sense that they would fall for each other versus Tracy Morgan, who's just a comic. He's not the best of shape comic. He's wacky, and yeah, he would be the type that would probably embarrass her in public, but uh, as friends, it's a different dynamic, and that was that was a cool movie as well. So I enjoyed those three films, and um, not much, not much uh, else needs to be said regarding that. <laughs>
And that is all I have for you for today, for this episode. If you have any questions, comments, what have you, you can always reach me at the Julio. Well, my webpage is juliofromnewyorkshow.com. Click on the contact section of my page, write to me there. Or you can also find me at on Twitter. And on Twitter, I am known as uh, at Julio from NY. So until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>